Maybe I'll bring my notes with me. Good morning, Rock Bible Church. Maybe I'll leave the coffee. I'm a mess. I'm so frazzled. Yesterday was a lot. I mean, uh, Amador beat Foothill, so I still haven't recovered, which is not that important, especially if you're Foothill. That's okay. All right. But we got to enjoy it when it happens. Um, want to uh, mention, before we get into high gear, um, young adults retreat. Not the youth retreat. The young adults retreat is going on right now. That's where Brent and Megan are. They're off uh, with um, them having a weekend. and So we're going to pray for them as well. Um, I don't know. You're, you're looking at me smiling and like, okay. Apparently we're still in love or something. Okay, good. I know she's a distraction. Like, uh, we are, we're about to uh, finish up Romans today. Chapter 16. We've been on this a uh, few months and, and such. Um, I'm, I'm excited Paul's going to tell us like his final words, his final thoughts, like wrap it up and say, this is what you need to know. So this is great news for any of you who've missed it, because you're going to get the culminating event right here. And then you can feel like, oh, yeah, I was part of the Roman series. Right. Um, but he's going to he's going to come to some conclusions as he closes out. Um, we're we're going to do a little lesson in um, uh, b- biblical names. Uh, as he says his farewells to some people. Um, uh, but then I want us to see how he draws conclusions for 16 chapters of pretty good doctrine. Remove the pretty, just doctrine, outright, period. Um, and how he comes to conclusions. Why would we want to pay attention to how he comes to conclusions? Why would we want to do that? case we need to come to any conclusions he, he will have set a good example for us and that's part of what i want us to see this morning um, let's pray and we will hit the ground running lord thanks for this morning thanks for your word thanks for so many different things that we just sang for what howard reminded of us that what we do is, is this morning is to draw closer to you. May that be what happens now from your word. I pray you bless what is said, what is thought, and the actions that come from it. Uh, So be with us in this time. Guide us through your spirit, and may it glorify you and your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Romans chapter 16, coming to conclusions. Here we go. Verse 1, I commend you, I commend to you, our sister, Phoebe. You know anybody named Phoebe? You're going to hear some names, and I, I always like to think, do I know anybody by that name? Or I like to think, oh, that's where that name came from. Like they were using it in biblical times, which is kind of fun. Um, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Censorea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, For she's been a patron of many and of myself as well. Pretty cool. Um, He's closing out the letter and he said, hey, by the way, before I leave, 
before I finish writing, there's a couple things I want you to pay attention to. What did he just value right there in that long sentence, run-on sentence, pseudo-paragraph? What did he value there? Phoebe. Is that significant? In, in a little way, I just want us to point something out. Any guesses on who Phoebe is? A woman, a sister. In that culture, who do they talk about? First thing, first person he mentioned is a lady. Mentions her by name. It says, hey, help her, take care of her. She might have some needs. Does he value meeting needs? Yeah. And then I, 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 I spun on this just a tiny bit this week. She has been a what? A patron. What, what's, a, what's a patron? What's, and what's, what's kind of the gender tied to patron? It's usually male. And yet he says, she has been a patron. I love that he's valuing and assigning things of value, crossing gender that, hey, look, when you're a patron doesn't matter your gender, when you're helping people, when you're doing things, this is what you're supposed to do and these kind of people we remember. Now I want to show, uh, show you this and then we're going we're gonna to fly for a little bit because about half of this chapter is thank them and thank them and thank them, okay? So you're going to enjoy yourself watching me try to pronounce some of this stuff. Here we go. Uh, verse 3, Greek, uh, Prissa and Aquila. Um, some of you may have heard this as Priscilla and Aquila. Other translations say it that way. Uh, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risked their necks for my life. Wow. Two more ladies willing to take risks. Where's the men? Risk their lives. <clears throat> to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Ooh. What did we just affirm there? House churches, right? Uh, insert mission in India and all the stuff that they're doing there that Brent and I went and saw. We're supposed to be expanding. You know, your house in some ways is a church. Who do you invite to it? And when they are invited and show up, do they get closer to God? Like Howard said. Is your house a place of worship? Love what the example that these ladies give to such an extent that Paul decides to write down their names in one of the most famous books of all time. And I mean Romans. I don't mean the Bible, because then I would have to say the most famous book. Right. Uh, greet my beloved. Anybody want to take a shot at it? Epinatus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Now, Boy or girl? Who knows? Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus, Junia, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Ooh, is, um, is Paul being competitive? Or just the opposite? Like, I don't... I don't care 
who was first or who was second or who won or who lost. We greet people, we help people. He's valuing humans over position. Uh, greet Amphilitis, my beloved in the Lord. Urbanus, greet him as well. Our fellow worker in Christ and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who was approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristopolis. Greet my kinsman, Herodian. That's a rough name. You're trying to get into a new religion that's based on Christ and you're named after the Roman king. Ooh, Roman leader. Uh, greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Insert narcissistic joke here. Okay. Um, greet those workers in the Lord. Tryphenea. Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Perses. <laughs> Named after, is it Greek God or Roman God? Greek God. Perses? Greek? Roman? Anybody been in high school in the last five years? No? If Cyrus was here, he has these all memorized. Um, who's worked hard in the Lord? Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Also, his mother, who's been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with him. So we know we at least got some boys in there, right? Because brothers. Greet Philologus, Julia. You, you made it. You made it. Now I know where you... Uh, Nereus and his sister Olympus and all the saints who are with them greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Awesome. Now, I just want to make a quick observation that I want you to hold on to. For 15 chapters, Paul has talked about doctrine and theology, right and wrong, definitions, all this kind of stuff. And you might start to think he's a little bit on like the cold side of religion facts and rules and um, doctrine and history and uh, what we just see from this scholar man's got a heart cares about people is he getting stuck on gender say no is he getting stuck on where they're from or how long or who's first and none of that love the example that he's, he's gotten his relationship with the Lord to the point where it's affecting how he feels more than just how he thinks. Can you affect how you feel? Mm -hmm. yes. There's hope for you, Lisa. The rest of them, <laughs> worried about. You can affect, you can change how you feel. Um, Paul's a great example of this. Um, and now he's going to go into his appeal. He's going he's to close out with some thoughts, and this is where we're going to take the majority of what we talk about this morning. Uh, verse 17, I appeal to you, brothers. Is he talking about only guys? No, this is everybody, right? When we got the example of the first 16 verses that he cares about both. Um, I appeal to you to watch out. Watch out for what? For those who cause... For those who cause... You don't even want to say the word, do you? Drama. Drama, division, conflict. Give me another word. Give me a synonym, please. Well, divisive, that would be division in a different form, right? Good job, Katie. You were the English teacher's favorite, weren't you? <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, is he making a rule here? What, what have you just been banned from at church? You're not allowed to send me any hate emails. You can't do that now. In fact, you can't do it with anybody else in the church. You have to be nice. Maybe a little sweet. Need a compromise? Cooperate? Help? Serve? Tell your face while you're doing it? How many churches need to hear that? And more importantly, my question is, does our church need to hear that? You know, I I said this years ago. We were doing a, a series on one of the epistles. I believe it was either Galatians or Ephesians. And I got in a lot of trouble. Because they said, if you're being divisive, which is what Paul says here. He, by the way, wrote the epistle we were doing at the time. If you're being divisive and you're causing trouble at church, go somewhere else. We need your seat. I, I, I was amazed how many people were upset with me <laughs> and thought I was talking about them. And, and I, I told him, I said, you're not important enough for me to talk about you that much. Um, I, I believe this ties into the narcissist guy. The narcissist, right? What's the problem with division? It's math, and I hate math. No, what's the problem with division? It's self-focus. And what's it do to the other gal or other guy? What's it do to them? It dismisses them, it demotes them, it devalues them. You're creating conflict. And what did Jesus say was his greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. If if you're not doing it at church, we're losing hope for you, okay? I mean, churches where we come together, we work on things. We help the poor, we build houses, we teach kids, we, we be a community that serves the greater community, amen? In order to be a community, you have to get along. I think, it's, I think the easiest thing is to be mean to a stranger. I do it way too often. Anybody else guilty? It's so easy to dismiss people, be difficult, throw in a little like, well, I don't know about that, you know, little, little divisive things, right? Stop it. Paul says it's counterproductive. He says, he wants you to, can we go back, um, Jaime? Can we go back one slide to the very last phrase of the, watch out for. We're watching out for people who cause division. What's that mean? Are we paying attention? Are we drawing attention to those that are being difficult? They got to go. That's rough. Scott, are you talking about anybody specific today? <laughs> no. No. Because I might qualify as top of the list for most difficult people in the church. None of you say amen. <laughs> okay. Let's go back, James. Um, uh, who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the what's that word doctrine 
the truth about God, the truth about us, the truth about others, uh, that you have been taught, and then what's, the, what's, what's our command? Watch out and avoid them. Ooh. Um, that's what you're going to get if you're tough and difficult. If you're constantly pushing on people and the whole thing, Paul's not happy with you. I mean, we still love you. Just we want to do it at a distance. A great distance. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Hmm. In, in, in some ways, when we protect and we invest in the health of the church, we are protecting and investing in the naive. Let's say people that have some needs that are in the church, whether it's they're a little insecure or they, don't, they haven't been in the church as long, they don't know as much, we have a responsibility to them. Protect them. Provide for them. And that's in the face of people who are difficult. Right? So that's, that's our responsibility. Uh, for your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is bad, evil. Right? It says, look, be obedient. Don't be divisive. Set that aside and replace it with obedience. Why? It leads to knowing the difference between good and evil. And you get a reputation. Actually, you already had a reputation. Actually, you have a reputation. You know this? Is this bummer Sunday, Scott? It might be. It depends on your reputation. How are you known? Are you known for being obedient? Are you known for being good? Uh, do you bring joy into the room, peace? Are you helpful? Are people glad to see you? Or when you walk in the door, is there a, oh, that's no fun. The God of peace, if you do these things, I think Paul's leading to this, is then, then the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Ooh. What would that open up? Like, Satan's out of the picture. Isn't it open season for good stuff? Let's do that. I'm getting excited right now. Right? It, you, get, you get excited when your team wins? Is there something going on at like 5.15 today? 5.15, is there something going on today? 3.30? Is that when it is? Yeah. So about 5.15 today... Right? Maybe 5.30. Demands on commercial breaks. Oh, my goodness. Marketing is going to be the death of us all. Um, some of you are going to be really excited when your team wins. Yet yesterday, and since yesterday, I've been pretty unbearable. Because <laughs> our team won. Our teams. Yeah, did I mention it was a full sweep of Foothill freshman JV and varsity? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm um, your team's going to win if you're on the team. We know which side wins. And if you're winning, 
everything's better. You know how much better lunch tastes after a win? Yesterday was awesome. You can have that spiritually, right? It just takes some investment. It takes some obedience. Uh, you're going to have to ignore the haters or the people that jabber at you or send you emails. Or, or you could just stop doing email altogether. I know some people who have try, are trying to do that, right? Uh, Timothy, verse 21, my fellow worker greets you. So uh, do Lucius and Jason. Do you know Jason is in the Bible? I like that name more now, all of a sudden. Uh, anybody want to try the S one? Sosipater. Sosipater? I'm going with Sosipater, but that's because how Greek works with the letter A, and we won't get into that seminary stuff, okay? Uh, my kinsman. Uh, and then here's a fun one, verse 22. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Wait a minute, Scott. For months you've been saying Paul wrote this. Somebody explain. Paul's old. He's got a writer for this stuff. He's like, here, write this down while I say it, right? He's got a scribe. Pretty awesome that the scribe gets to be mentioned. Hey, Paul, can, can I write a little sentence in here? Yeah, go ahead. I'm liking Paul even more. He's, he's including the help. Oh, you can't call him the help, Scott. I can value him, though. Uh, verse 23, Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. And now here's the big closing, right? Here's the big finale. Now, to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Who, who is that, by the way? Who's him who is able to strengthen according to the gospel? God, okay. According to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations. Um, is God a secret? Is he a mystery? I mean, because, um, by the way, in my line of work, I get more people saying to me than you, I know God's so confusing. It's so complex. I, I don't know where to start reading, and I don't understand this. Okay, I get it. But like math was hard the first time you got into it, right? You ever do biology? That's rough to start in. But if you stick with it for a minute or a cup of coffee, you start figuring stuff out. Is God ever so complicated that you could never understand him? No, he's simple. In fact, he's done everything he can to get your attention. Why would he then turn around and make it hard for you to understand? He works with simplicity. Now, it's never just like a, you know, Neo where you just plug in in the back of the head and, <laughs> I know jujitsu, like in an instant. You don't get that way with God or anything ever. But it's, it's funny because people think they have to go to school for so long to learn a thing and get a certificate or a, a degree. Uh, I got to take driving lessons to learn how to drive. There's all this kind of stuff. But then they think that God's supposed to be this instantaneous thing like I, I pray and accept him and it's, I'm just be transformed. Oh, I'm alive in the spirit. And I, it doesn't work like that. Good sauce takes a while to make. Amen talking about my Friday. 
Um, your relationship with the Lord is the same. Right? I mean, you could try to do the drive-thru, and what are you going to get? Cardboard with ketchup on it. I mean, right? No nutritional value. But it's not a secret. It's been disclosed, and it's been third and fourth to the last word, second line from the bottom on the right. Made known. It's knowable. Love that. And just to the select few or to all nations? Mm. I get a little bit of a question now because in the Bible and other places it said as soon as God has reached all nations, then the end will come. And yet Paul says here, he's been made known to all nations. There's probably some overlap. All right? Now is there mystery in that? Yes. But that's all about future stuff. Is there a mystery in actually knowing him or pursuing him or praying to him? No. It's super simple. Uh, according to the command of the eternal God, a reminder that he's always been here and he always will be, to bring about the obedience of faith. Instead of saying the, the salvation of faith, the grace of faith, uh, Paul's now a couple times dropped this obedience word in here. Why do you think that is? It's a key? I don't like sushi. Oh, really? You had some? No. Wait a minute. How do you know you don't like it? You never tasted it? You never tried it? I don't know, just the concept. Whoa. I don't like the concept of judging something before I've ever tried it. So there, touche. You know, it's this, this thing, we, we, gotta, we gotta do it to experience it. I, I don't know how to shoot the ball and so that it goes in the goal. Oh, I'm so sorry. You should quit now then, right? Is that how it works? No, get a whole bunch of balls, line them up, and start trying it. After a while, you get better at it. Spend 20 years at it, and you can do it almost with your eyes closed. But we think that our relationship with the Lord is different. No, he's just going to be gracious to me because he's all loving. Yes. And it's unconditional love. Okay. Kind of. But if you run off and do a bunch of the stuff that you're not supposed to do, it's not going to work. But I thought he's, he's going to protect me and... I'm going to mount up like wings of an eagle. No. These are great little analogies and great poetry from a good king. But how did he learn that stuff? David, Solomon, these guys. Obedience? Now, did they mess up? Yeah, I mean, David was a knucklehead. A couple times. A year. Um, once we get to obedience, then, then all of a sudden faith starts to make sense. The only wise God be glory. As we started uh, quite a few sentences ago, and now to him, and, and how's it end? To him be glory forevermore through Christ Jesus. What's, what's be, why should we be giving glory to him? 
through Christ Jesus. I mean, it's a great ending. Doesn't it sound like regal? This is how you're supposed to end a Old Testament book, you know? And now to him who's able to accomplish all things and and make sure you never get a hangnail. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Right? Why, why be glory? Let's, let's take all the pomp and circumstance out of it and say, what, what does that mean? It means you glorify him. What does it mean to glorify somebody? You like them. You pay attention to them. You might even write them a letter. Invite them out. Make them food. Bring them a gift. Right? Um, could you do all those things for God? Folks, we're at church. <laughs> Can you do those types of things for God? This is the interactive portion of the morning. Everybody say yes. Okay. You can do it. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. Uh, let's take a couple things from this because Paul's drawn some conclusions. Um, and I want us to see what he, what he draws and then figure out how, do, how does that translate over for us. Um, and I want us to see, first thing is, he, he says, look, when he was talking about the divisive thing, and da, 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 he says, when they're contrary to doctrine, I've been this whole time with glasses hanging on my thing. Um, he says, look, you, you got to let doctrine rule. You got to let doctrine rule. This is Paul's conclusion. By the way, this is how you should come to conclusions too. What would God say about this? How does this fit into the definitions of who God says he is, who God says who we are, and how God says life actually works? Because when you get into making big decisions, it'd be great to kind of have a general knowledge of all 16 chapters of the book of Romans for the truths that come out that Paul says, look, this is the way God works. When you're obedient, you get something. When you're not, you don't. And then, and then things start to open up for you. Because when you are clear on who God is, it clarifies other things. And it actually, instead of narrowing definitions and tightening your boundaries and, and caging you up, it actually frees you a little bit. Let me give you an example from something you sang today. And I'm sitting in the front row going, hmm. my sin is what held him there. Whoa, you sang that? It's absolutely false. It is not true in any way, shape, or form. Sin can't hold Jesus Christ anywhere for any amount of time he went to the cross willingly for the joy set before him he despised the shame in obedience to god and he stayed there he could have got down anytime he wanted amen why did some guy write this beautiful song that says it was my sin that held him there right which is why i'm not in the band right why would he write it like that and then and then why would you just like suck it up and just like, oh yeah, I'm going to sing this. Howard's leading. It must be okay. Why? If you're clear on the deity, the doctrine of the deity of Christ, 
who he is. His existence, always. His presence, everywhere. His knowledge, everything. His power, all capable. And then you pair that with the doctrine of sin. What's the doctrine of sin? Huh, I don't know. It's been like a little while since we did that one at church. Scott, could you just spew it out for us so we can move on to the next point? Yes, yes I can. Here's the doctrine of sin. You're different than God. That's the closest, shortest verse. You're different than God. He's perfect. You're not. You make mistakes. He can't. Sin is not in his vocabulary. The definition of sin is to do something contrary to God. You can't contradict yourself. You can't do something against yourself. The idea that sin is something that's in us all the time, that we're born with it. It started in the garden. It has gone ever since. Right? What's that song really about? It's the doctrine of sin meets the doctrine of the deity of Christ. That I have a problem I cannot solve ever. And Christ has the ability, not because sin held him on the cross, but Christ saw our sin and said, I will allow myself to stay here. I will let sin hold me to this cross because I will pay for it and I will solve it and I will bring you freedom and grace and salvation. Now when I sing that song, it was my sin who held him there. I was like, yeah? Why? Because it's an artistic way of looking at the scientific pieces from doctrine. Now it's fun. I got another song I can sing. And I need not get caught up in the technicalities of, well, I'm not sure if that's totally true. Well, it's not. Anything we come up with is never going to be totally true. There'll be pieces of it, right? Have you ever heard this phrase, never take the analogy too far? Why? It's always going to break down. What do we take too far then? What do we take as far as we possibly can? It's the biggest word up there probably right now that starts with D. We take doctrine, the truth of who God is, the theology of how he defines himself in us, we take that as far as we possibly can. Doctrine of God's love, of his grace, of salvation offered freely unto anybody, that you can be healed, you can be forgiven, you can get better, you can make progress. These are all common graces that God allows. Common grace, what's that? That comes from the doctrine of grace. There's common grace and specific grace. You want both? What, what's that? Well, common grace is like, well, we're all still breathing right now, right? And it's very gracious of him to let us continue to breathe. It's something all of us experience. Now, anybody a plumber? No plumbers? There's plumbers out there. Praise God for you. <laughs> Are there things specific to him that God could be gracious to just him that would kind of be lost on you because you're not a plumber, but for him, it'd be a great day. Can he do that? It's called specific grace, and God offers you that too. Amen? 
When you leave here today, on your drive home, I would like you to keep your hands off the wheel, the steering wheel, <laughs> and just drive home, okay? You know, even with the Tesla, at times, you still have to touch the steering wheel, I think. Pretty sure. What's wrong with that statement? When you're driving home, keep your hands off the steering wheel. What's the problem with that statement? It's moronic, Scott. And why did I say that then? Because going through life without doctrine is like trying to drive without your hands on the steering wheel. Now, don't take the analogy too far. Okay? We've got to let doctrine rule. Does he want you saved? No. Is there anything that can separate you from God? No. These are great truths that we've got to buy into, teach to our kids, and give the community the, the joy of learning. All right? Uh, second, obedience. Is we're gonna, He talked about obedience several times, and, and I, I, I looked through several verses to pull this out. Um, obedience is several different things, right? It is something, it brings something, and it leads to two other things, right? Let's jump into this. Um, obedience is evident. He says, you know what? People know you. Why? Because your obedient is evident to all. What's that mean for us? When you're following God, people can see it. It works. It's an encouragement. It's beyond just your experience. Does it affect the naive? He mentioned that, didn't he? Um, obedience is, is more than just for you. Wow. Um, what's it bring? Short word. Starts with J. It brings joy. You know, Scott, I just want to be happy. It's been like two and a half years of... Gosh, I don't want to... How do I... I'm not going to say it. Let the record show. I have bit my tongue here. Um, two and a half years of crazy, let's say it that way, right? And I, I just, I just want to be happy. I just want some joy. Go serve the Lord. What would that do for you? you? You'd be stepping into his equation for how life's supposed to work. Because you start doing things that he's put before you with some of the gifts that he's given you and the specific grace that I was talking about with Scott there along with some common graces, you might play into someone else's experience with specific grace for them. Or you might jack up the whole thing and just learn, we're not going to do that one again. Right? And well, we've eliminated one thing we don't have to do anymore or try to plan anymore. Right? You know that's all that failure is? Failure is just I've eliminated one of my options that I no longer need entertain. That's great. Uh, it brings joy because it, it, it drags us into people. Yeah. All those people, didn't he list a bunch of people? Why do they make the list? Because they were, starts with O, ends with D-N-S. And it's something you're supposed to be right in the middle. All those people were obedient and they made the list. 
They brought joy to people. They experienced joy themselves. And Paul's pretty happy with them. Brought him some joy too. Right? It gets us into relationship. Um, and then what's it lead to? Give it to us. I want you to be wise to what is good and innocent of what is evil. Right? It brings wisdom and innocence. Ooh. This keeps happening. Well, what are you doing? Every time I do this, this happens. Well, stop doing that. You start being obedient to God. Um, how about you pray regularly? How about you engage in Scripture more than just when I lead you through it? Amen to that. Because um, you will you will learn better things on your own in Scripture than with me. <gasps> what? I just demoted myself. And I have a seminary degree. Why? Why could you learn more and benefit more from your own reading of Scripture than if I try to teach you stuff? Go back to the common and specific thing. I can teach you a lot of the common stuff. But who engages the specific with you? We're at church. I'm asking a question. There's only one answer, right? God is the one who is going to interact with you on some of the specific stuff. He will find things with you in Scripture and that will blow your mind. I've had that experience so many times, especially preparing for sermons where I'm, you know, I'm a little stuck and then I, I cross-reference something, I look something, I'm like, oh, whoa! Do you know that I have cried during sermon prep? Yes, I admit, this is your Sunday service extra. There are times I have gotten emotional to the point where water started generating from my ojos. What's that about? Joy? Of being obedient and learning something and him doing something specific with me and I, it's bringing me wisdom. It keeps me out of trouble. And when... When it's clear that you've been obedient and you're happy and the people recognize it and they're happy and you're wise and you're innocent, what's the rest of the day look like? Invitations. Invitations, yeah, like invitations to what? Lots of things. People want to be around you. They may offer you food. Or, hey, let's go to a con. Why? Because you're awesome. And you finally figured out how to experience it. Amen? Okay. Uh, number three. I like this one. I really like this one. Experience, quote, crushing peace. He says, and soon the God of peace will crush who? Satan, under your feet. Whoa. What's crushing peace? When you have a peace with God and he crushes everything else that's in the way. You got doubts? Well, yes, but I don't want to admit it at church in public. You have fears? Same answer. You have some insecurities? I would never admit that. 
Do you have some strengths? Do you have some plans? Do you have some hopes, some dreams? Do you have some things that you love? How would you like to have peace in all that and have God just come around and just crush everything that gets in the way? I mean, if he can take Satan out, does anything have a chance of being an obstacle? No. And when we start kicking out the divisive people, then it'll be open field. We can have all kinds of fun. Right? I, I would love to spend a little more time in crushing peace myself. I, I've made no bones about the last year and a half. I've been saying last year, but it's really, I did some math. It's really been more like a year and a half of me personally. Now, the, that virus thing is even longer than that. But You know the worst things of it? Is that my experiences and my thoughts and my feelings have started to drag me out of peace. Because I let lesser things get my attention. I let lesser things with no real weight to them distract me. From what? Well, you could say God, okay? You'd be right, but he'd distract me from my obedience of what can I pursue. In the midst of this crap that's going on, what can I pursue in my relationship? With, what conclusions can I draw? What can I come to that I can stand on in the midst of everything's crumbling around? There's a bunch of specific things for each one of us. Amen? And you can find them. Paul says doctrine and staying close to God, pursuing them is the most important thing. Amen? Now, how many people did he list in this passage? He mentioned more names of people than anything else in the whole passage. He named people more than he named God. Oh! <gasps> That's some kind of violation. Generally, we print these. These things you're holding, we print these on Thursdays usually. Try to get them out because there's a, there's a band that plays music on Sunday and they practice Thursday night, so I try to get it out so they have it. And da, da, da. You know that sermons never develop beyond Thursday? That's sarcasm. I sent this to Brad, it's all printed, and then the last three days, you know, I came up with a fourth fill-in that you don't have. This is your Sunday service extra. All this, it's people-centric. Look at how many people he names. I guarantee you, any of those people were writing letters, they're probably mentioning Paul's name. There's people involved in all of this all the time. It's impossible to eliminate people from the equation. and was never intended. From the very beginning of the book, he says, it is not good for mankind to be alone. It says not good for man to be alone. Yeah, I'm trying to include everybody here. We were not designed to be alone. Well, how do you know it's true about women too if it said it's not good for man to be alone? Because she was made to be with him. It's in her design to be around other people. And we know guys left by themselves. Right? Very bad. 
right? This is not good, right? Um, amen. Put, put people in your life. Come to some conclusions. And here's how you're going to measure your conclusions. I'm going to give you a metric for how you judge your own conclusions that you're coming to. Okay? Are they doctrinally sound? Is there obedience in it? Will peace come from it? Okay, those are your three fill-ins. All right? And then here's the last one. Does it bless someone else? Is there a blessing in it for someone else? Or how could someone else be blessed by it? There's another way to ask that question. Wonderful metric. Now, Are you going to get all this stuff right? Okay. So get over it. <laughs> Fail! But at least you tried. And then just keep going. Do your best. Walk forward with confidence. I'm kind of sure I should try it. Great, go. Are you 51% convinced? How does God lead you to stuff? Oh, I have, an, I have a drawing of the Spirit or something. Like, oh. I just, I've never been able to figure that one out. Here's how God leads me, right? People come and say, hey, Scott, can we do this? And it's like, oh, no, that door's open. Let's go do it, right? I read a verse that says, don't do that. Oh, that's a leading. What are the practical ways where God gets your attention? Other people? Opportunities? His creation? And then once you get some kind of leading, well, you know, I was talking to so-and-so and she said, and I was like, well, let's try that. Ask him about it. Ask them about it. And we got a consent. Boom. Let's get going. Right? It's kind of like the church kitchen. What, what does that mean? There was a leading of the Spirit. We had to remodel the kitchen. Really? Are you over-spiritualizing a construction project? No. Well, how did the Spirit lead? One guy said to another guy, this place kind of stinks. Let's fix it up. They're like, oh, what do you think? She said, yeah. And somebody gave some money and somebody called a contractor and other people got involved. And Spirit-led. Amen? How'd you get a church? Too many people said to me, Scott, when are you starting a church? I got tired of hearing that. And now I don't have to hear it anymore. <laughs> right? What was that? Bunch of knuckleheads with the same idea? Maybe. Well, yes. <laughs> but it was the leading of the Spirit. God can lead you in a lot of different ways. Just figure out what some of them are and then, and then get after it. Jump on your horse and go. None of us have horses. <laughs> Using bad analogies so you don't take them too far, but you get on to doing what you should be doing. Amen? Um, and by the way, I think technically the kitchen isn't done, but you could sneak in there and see it's pretty stinking awesome. Right? And there are some people that did a lot on this. So I'm going to say the McDuffies, uh, Brent, and Doug. 
Um, but go, go check it out at some point. Okay? It doesn't have to be today. Um, but there will be a Super Bowl party in there. And it's going to be awesome. Amen? Lord, thank you for this book. Thank you, Lord, that you are gracious to us in common and specific ways, that you help us come to good conclusions when we engage with you. We thank you that there is a payoff, that this system does work, that you have designed and created called life. And thanks for giving us a shot. Thank you for artistic ways that we understand you, whether they're doctrinally defined specifically or not, that we can be drawn into our relationship with you through literal and through artistic. And I would pray you would use any way possible to get our attention and lead us. If you've never decided to follow God, maybe you're coming to that conclusion today. You realize you need to formalize that. You need to nail it down. Actually say it to God. You pray that prayer. God, you and I, we're starting today. From this day forward, I'm walking with you. I thank you that you've walked with me and before me long before I even knew. But I accept what your son did on the cross. And I want to jump in now. Help me come to new conclusions, Lord. Pray anything like that or that specifically. It doesn't matter. You make up your own words. He understands better than I, you could or I could. And let us know so we could, we could help you. That's why we're here. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. May you come to his conclusions. Amen? Go with him.